remember at times thinking, the only thing I do in the day is decide what my kids are going to eat for dinner and they're not going to eat it anyhow. And that, I think, really, when I look back, reflects where I was emotionally. Welcome to Precarious Parenting, the podcast series for people feeling overwhelmed by family life in general. Do you often wonder whether you're doing it right? Or do you wonder whether it's okay to be just a good enough parent? My name is Marie Arimar, founder of Realization Works, guiding young people and parents back to clearer thinking. And this podcast series provides the opportunity to hear real people sharing real stories about how they manage to see beyond their overwhelm. Welcome to this episode with Dr. Orlina. Now, Orlina works with families and her bio says, helping families create healthy habits they love so that they can all feel fit and fabulous without having to even think about it. And I love that. So welcome, Orlina. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm really interested in talking to you. So first of all, um, tell me about your setup, you know, where you live, your family. Indeed. Well... I grew up in beautiful Devon in Exeter, which I just have to mention because (laughs) I love Exeter and I have such fond memories of Exeter. I trained at Bristol University in medicine. Um, As I was saying to you before we started recording, I wasn't one of those people who was thinking, oh my goodness, I have to start medicine. My dad calls me Lena Loops because I never do anything in a direct way. So I took three years out before I finally decided to start on medicine. And then nearly 10 years ago, we moved to Spain. At that time, I had two children. And that was an interesting story, which I will tell you a little bit more about in a little bit. But so now I have four children who are, my goodness, I can't believe it, 12 and 10 and twins who are seven, nearly eight. And it feels like yesterday that they were tiny and babies. And I live in a really beautiful part of the world. I'm really lucky. I chose to live here. Of course I did, but I am just amazingly lucky. We live near the Mediterranean Sea, um, about 10 minutes from a zillion beaches where the water is crystal clear and it's just like my paradise. And I spend my summer, so as we're recording this, we're coming to the end of summer, but every single day I cycle to the beach at 6.30 in the morning and I swim between seven and eight and I get home at 8.30 just as my children are sort of, you know, waking up their eyes. And I, yeah, I have an amazing life. I live a life of luxury, as I say. And I don't mean that in terms of, oh my goodness, I like to buy Louis Vuitton. I mean, I get to do things like go swimming in the winter in the municipal swimming pool but I get to do the things that I really want to do. And I enjoy my life. Not that it's any different from anybody else's life. It's just that I'm actively enjoying it, if that makes Mm. sense. And um, from my business point of view, I, as you say, help mothers and families to lead a healthy life and to, for mothers to start to focus on themselves and also teach their children healthy living. So it really incorporates, you know, my training as a pediatric doctor, my own journey that I've had as a mother and a parent of picky eaters, and it all just sort of falls together. And part of it is science-based, so looking at the evidence of what's healthy eating and, you know, how we should parent. And obviously, some of it is just based in 
reality and having four kids and knowing that parenting is one of the most difficult things that we can possibly do. I tell you, being a doctor is so much easier than parenting. (laughs) It's really interesting that you say about the science because um, there are so many apps and adverts and social media is splattered with ways to feel better isn't it at the moment and it's and I and I love the fact that you're coming at this from you know a solid scientific background by offering support to families yeah it you're right it is and obviously you have to think about all these apps and different ways that people are selling you stuff because that's obviously what they're doing and Whenever I talk to experts, so on my podcast, I've had people like cardiologists and people in experts in cancer. And, you know, I listen to scientific podcasts and I read all of these books. And do you know what? It just comes back to the basics. Just do the basics first before you do anything. So eat a healthy diet, sleep. Sleep is so important. Mm. Exercise. And, you know, I always think about mindfulness and emotions too. But cover the basics before you do anything else. And the vast majority of people don't cover the basics. But if we could just change that, if if people paid me to change that, I would be as rich as all these pharmaceutical companies. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that leads so nicely on to to my next question um, to you, which is really about, you know, what led you to go from being a pediatric doctor to doing this work? And, And you said to me before that you you realized that there was a lack of self-care in your life. So I wonder if you could just talk about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I guess the story really starts back when I was living in Wales, when we had another pandemic, which was swine flu. And I was working in the NHS, pregnant with my second child. And I've always wanted to live abroad and work abroad. So actually, I really, part of the reason I went into medicine was because I had this idea that I would travel and work. And I'm sure you know that the NHS is stressful and people are underfunded and it was really stressful. And to cut a very long story short, I ended up deciding, okay, I'm going to move now. I remember my mother lives in France and I remember it was October and talking to her on Skype and I had just turned the heating on and she was wearing, you know, little t-shirt because she was gardening. And I've had this really awful weekend the situation with a consultant and just lost the plot with me and I decided you know what we're going to move to Spain sooner rather than later and we did and I think I really moved with my eyes wide shut because I thought that it would be easy for me to continue my career we were all in the European Union weren't we at that time (laughs) and that I would just carry on being a pediatric doctor I would just be in Spain rather than the UK but things didn't quite turn out like that um it's a long story mm. but essentially I did do a little bit of work here but I ended up turning to the internet really to do something it was probably more of a hobby at the time and at that time I had well when we first moved I had two children um I then had twins so mm. I had when the kids were little, four children under four and a half. And it was quite isolating on one level. You know, all my friends were totally jealous. Oh my goodness, you live the holiday life in the sun. You don't have anything to do. No worries. Of course, the reality is never quite like that. Um, It was isolating in that, you know, they didn't have play groups here like you do in most places in the UK. And even like a few years later on, so I would say even four or five years later on, I really 
just felt like I was struggling with my identity. And, you know, I always kind of thought I was going to go back into medicine. As I say, I eventually did. But this idea that I had been a doctor or was a doctor, but really wasn't being a doctor. And I remember at times thinking, the only thing I do in the day is decide what my kids are going to eat for dinner. And they're not going to eat it anyhow. And that, I think, really reflects, when I look back, reflects where I was emotionally. And obviously, when you're a mother with young kids, it's about all those basics. It's about sleep and nutrition and all of those things. I clearly wasn't paying attention. But the way I showed up, like, it was like life wasn't the amazing life I wanted it to be. It was like, it wasn't like I was totally, totally depressed and I couldn't function. Of course I could function. And if you met me, you'd probably just think, oh, she's fine. But I mm. could kind of see that inside there was this discontentment that would spiral out of control from time to time. Frustration with trying to build a business. Frustration of having four small children. Mm. Frustration, which I would take out on my four small children, you know, that kind of, get into the bath, such a fight, get out of the bath, such a fight. And I really just saw that this wasn't how I wanted my life to be. I didn't want to go into parenting and put all this energy into parenting and then not really enjoy it and then feel guilty that I wasn't enjoying it, feel guilty that I was lucky enough that I could give up my career to be with my children and then not enjoy it. Mm. And that kind of all of those emotions swirling, swirling around. And yeah, just like this isn't how life is supposed to be. And I think for me, the way I sort of gradually got out, got out of it was I started doing a parenting course by a, a lady called Dr. Laura Markham, who is an American, I think she's a psychologist. And her emphasis was really on looking at your own emotions. And I think that really started me on this journey of looking at my own emotions, which I've never really looked at before, and realizing how mindset and the way we think about things is so, so important. And then obviously I read every single book that I could get my hand on. And then, you know, it's like you take one step and you build on it and you take another step and you build on it until suddenly I realized, okay, I've got this. But all of those steps are small steps. So for example, I started swimming when the children were little and my, we took them to swimming classes. And one day my husband took them because the, t the twins were still little at this time. And I think I was doing lunch and nap or something. And he came back from the swimming pool saying, oh, Dante, our middle child, he didn't want to swim. So he didn't go swimming. <laughs> and I said, okay, I will go next week. You know, sometimes people just need a firm but kind hand. And I was like, okay, let's just go and do this. I can hear you're going to protest, but we'll just do this. And I went and sat upstairs in the balcony. And oh my goodness, it was so hot in that balcony. And I just looked down at the swimming pool and thought, why aren't I swimming in that mm. swimming pool? It's mm. much more inviting. Mm. And it started slowly. I started doing well, they were 45 minute classes that they had. And I would just swim up and down, up and down, really enjoying that space that I had with four small children. They used to jump on me and I love cuddles, but you know how it somehow, sometimes cuddles can sort of trigger that defensive response because you feel like you're being attacked, especially when you have four of them. Right. Absolutely. And so that, 
Yeah, that that I want to give you a cuddle, but you know what kids are like, they'll run and jump at you and you're, you feel like somebody's about to hit you. Mm. And so that swimming for me was just 45 minutes once a week of doing some exercise, but also having a little bit of space. And gradually over the years, I've built that. And now this summer, I've been swimming two to three kilometers basically every single day mm. for the whole summer. And you know, that's, yeah, it's built up over years though. So did that answer your question? <laughs> no, it really did. And I, and I love what you've just said, because when we do see something like, oh, I could be, why aren't I swimming in that pool? It's really hard to unsee that. Yeah. Because we're like, why haven't I been doing this? I love, I really love that. I do think it, you're right. It is difficult to unsee it, but it's also very easy to have that thought of why aren't I doing it? And then just go back to the way you were before and not take action on it and go, well, because it's too difficult and I can't do this. And so obviously at that time, I can't remember the details because it was now such a long time ago, but I obviously had to have a chat to my husband and say, now he's obviously very supportive and he has the children, but I suspect at that time they were still being breastfed. So, you know, it wasn't just as easy as here you go, have the twins. But I obviously had to say, do you know what? I'm actually, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start taking the kids and you can have the twins and we just have to rearrange our routine a little bit because actually this is something that I really want to do. And yeah. I think that's an important recognition as well. Absolutely. And I guess what I meant, and it's a really, it is a really important point. I guess I meant when you really see it, mm. then it's, it's hard to, to unsee it because it's, it's like we have a thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I did that? And then everything crowds in on us again all those you know this is all the to-do lists and everything that we have to do so you're now working with uh, mainly mothers uh, I know you work with families you work with with anybody who you feel needs your help so what do you what do you hear from them mainly and how are you able to support them you know what what um what teaching or advice do you offer them yeah. So, well, I mean, I obviously have free resources, my websites and my, my podcast and so many videos. Mm. Um, the thing that I hear most is I'm so busy and it comes in a, a different forms. So different people have different reasons, but essentially what they're saying is I'm too busy. My life's too hectic and this and that and this. And what they're essentially saying is I can't make those changes. Mm. My life is this way and I can't change it to the way that I want to do. And mm. taking people along that journey is an interesting journey. So one of the things I love is habits and systems. And the thing about habits is that most of the stuff that we do is habit. The way we think is habit. The way we eat is habit. Mm -hmm. And the way we exercise, all of it is habit. And it can either be, well, I, I guess a good habit or a bad habit. I, I don't kind of like that black and white thinking, but, you know, a healthy or an unhealthy habit. Mm. No, most habits, you know, have a bit of both. But when you are leading a life that you think, okay, this isn't as healthy as I would like it to be, perhaps you want to lose weight or you just want to eat more healthily or you want to get more fit. When you're, when you're leading that life and you've got all those habits, you kind of think this is the only way that it can be. However, if you flip the coin and you're leading that healthy life and doing all of those amazing habits, then 
it's just as easy. But the difficult bit is that transition from A to B, where you've got your brain sort of working against you and your whole body going, we do these habits and not those habits. And one of the things I love about habits is that people tend to think someone who's leading a healthy life is really super disciplined. And that's why I can't do it because I'm not super disciplined. Mm. And it's not true. The thing about habits is that you have to pick the right habits and you have to make those habits easy. So you have to set up your life so that it's really easy to do those habits. So let me give you an example. Here in Spain, the children go to school in the morning and they go to school in the afternoon. So I, during the winter, go and do my swimming training in the swimming pool and I drop the children off at school and I go down to the swimming pool and then I do everything in reverse and it happens to fit in very nicely. But really and truly, my habit of swimming starts when I leave the house with my bags packed to drop the children at school. Now, I'm not going to not drop the children at school because clearly my children have to go to school. That's not optional. Now, there are days when I think, oh, it's a bit cold or I don't feel like swimming. But I've set my life up in such a way that it's actually more difficult for me to not go swimming than it is to go swimming. So I don't have to think about it anymore. Mm. And once you can set your life up in that way, so that your thinking bit of your brain is really, it's set it all up. And that bit of brain which goes, hey, it's what, three o'clock. I eat chocolate at three o'clock. That's what we do. We don't do swimming. I can't listen to that brain because that bit of my brain, I have to go swimming because I have to drop my kids off at school. And that is really, I think, where the gold dust is, when we can take a step away from our life and think, okay, this habit is serving me and this habit isn't serving me. And how do I change those habits which aren't serving me? Yeah, I love that. Actually, I, um, I uh, stopped drinking alcohol nearly seven months ago and I wasn't a massive drinker, but... Um, Tonight, I've got some friends coming around and I've got some zero alcohol beer and some zero alcohol gin. So I can sit and have a gin and tonic with them or have a beer with them and I'm not consuming any alcohol and nobody feels anything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, exactly. And, it, and, and, that, and the habit, you know, for me, the thinking is to make sure I've got that in the house and, and, and it's, yeah, I completely get, you know, with my example there, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So it's, a, it's, I mean, it's really simple. It's about thinking about what is going to be the obstacle when you meet with those friends. So perhaps you're going to have these feelings of I'm missing out and they might have some feelings of like, oh, this is a bit awkward, but it's you exactly. thinking those things through and anticipating them and then setting it up in such a way that you can go, okay, let's do it this way instead. So it's not difficult it's just quite often we need to spend a bit of time thinking about that. And sometimes we need a bit of help making those changes. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So, so are there any other, um, the, you've said about um, habits and systems, and the, are there any other pointers that you guide people to? Well, just, you know, thinking about changes as well and, you know, giving my example, and we touched on this a little bit, but I think, really and truly any change that you make is a good change. And people often think, okay, I have to change my life completely. Now, if you want to change your life completely, I do recommend you get a coach to do it. Now, obviously, I think that coach should be me. But <laughs> in reality, it doesn't have to be me. But if you try and make loads and loads of changes to your life, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And then you sort of give up unless you do it in a sort of systematic way with a bit of support. And 
I think really what I see is that you can go in two directions. So it's very, very easy to sort of what I say, spiral down that negative plug hole. So for example, I wake up early and my children jump on my bed and it feels like I'm being attacked again. It feels like there's an octopus in my bed. And so I start snapping at my kids. They start snapping. And suddenly we've started the morning on a really bad foot and then it just goes downhill from there. So perhaps I don't go running. I don't run, but you can see what I'm saying. Yes. And you just mm-hmm. spiral down that negative plug hole. Yeah. But equally, if you do positive things, you can spiral up that positive. So, you know, you might think, okay, I'm going to start putting, making sure I get eight hours of sleep and I'm going to do that. And once that is concreted, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to cut out sugar in my tea and I'm going to concrete that. And then gradually, gradually you build on the steps and you just spiral up and up and it becomes easy. Mm. And when I give you my example of swimming and say it started with me going to that swimming pool and now I'm doing this. If I hadn't started in that swimming pool, I wouldn't be swimming two or three kilometers every day now because I wouldn't have started. But at the time, it was just a small thing. And each of those changes that I've made hasn't been this huge, great, oh, you have to do it with discipline. It's just followed on naturally. You know, I found more friends. My friends have encouraged me a little bit. The sea is beautiful. The quarantine helped because it pushed me to use my bicycle rather than my car. So, you know, all of these things, they just add on to that small thing. It wasn't like I went from zero to swimming two kilometers a day. That would be exactly. quite crazy, I think. And, and it's interesting that you said, you know, I'm thinking about people listening and, and you said about, you know, sleep being so important, you know, and for some people to get a good night's sleep is is something excuse the pun but they only dream of (laughs) you know so so I can imagine I can imagine that that you would be looking at lots of small steps to achieve regular full night sleep well it kind of depends I mean there are lots of people you know if you have young kids for example or pets that keep you up there are lots of people who do have disrupted sleep for a particular reason Mm. And if you've got a young baby, there isn't much, you know, if you're breastfeeding that baby during the night, then you need to breastfeed that baby during the night. Although if you are breastfeeding, you do get special hormones that help protect you from sleep deprivation a little bit. But um, the vast majority of people don't prioritize sleep. The vast majority of people don't realize that they're actually sleep deprived and they don't do the the routine of allowing themselves to go to bed. So they just don't actually give themselves eight hours in bed. So, you know, the maths is really easy. If you wake up, if you have to be up at 6.30, then make sure you're in bed at 10.30. And if you take half an hour to go to sleep, then make sure it's lights out at 10. But most people won't do that. And often I think it is about stepping away and redoing your whole your whole lifestyle. There's lots of tips that you can do to sleep better. So for example, cutting out screens and alcohol is another one which Mm. actually really affects your quality of sleep. So there's all kinds of things that you can do. But again, it's about just sort of changing your habits slightly. So if you want to prioritize sleep, you know, I would say things like make sure that you have caffeine early in the morning, make sure you go for an early morning walk such that your body is knowing that it's morning time, the light shines on you. Lights can hugely affect you, but there's lots of different things, but essentially it's about going, okay, I'm going to prioritize it. And that's the first step really. Mm, Fantastic. And you're so right what you say. Um, 
because I used, you know, I used to, well, I still probably do, but used to love red wine. And I knew that if I drank a couple of glasses of red wine, I'd have a disrupted night's sleep and I'd still drink the red wine. And, uh, and, I, and, and my sleep is so much better now. Like really incredible. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, I now have a routine of I go to bed at 10.30. My brain tells me it's bedtime. I don't need to look now. It's such mm. a routine that my brain just starts shutting down and I start reading and I'm like, I have no idea what I've just read. It's time to go to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's really interesting because, you know, you were talking to me before and, and it keeps resonating with me, this whole concept of self-care. Because it, it is about taking those steps back and, like you said, looking in again. And, 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 and I think often we do need somebody else to help us spot where the, um, where the disruptions might be. Yes. And I think sometimes people almost need permission to, to do what they need to do. The other thing is that sometimes you kind of don't listen to your voice properly and people confuse being self-care with actually looking after themselves. So for example, eating donuts is not an example of self-care. I would say that's an example of self-indulgence. Now I'm not saying you don't ever have to never have to eat donuts. You can have donuts as part of a healthy life, but what you don't want to be doing is using them as a way to reward yourself or give you some emotional something that really and truly you need to be getting in another way. And I think that's where there's a little bit of confusion. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I get that. I, I get that entirely. So I think it's fascinating. I, um, I know at the end, I'm going to ask you how people can get hold of you. Um, I just wonder really quickly, if you could say a few things that you've done. I know that you're the author of a few books. You know, could you, how might people be able to, to, to see more of, of what you've produced on this subject? Of, of my books? My yeah. books are Feeding Toddlers and Crunch Put a Stop to Picky Eating and Help Your Kids Love Vegetables. And those are all about healthy eating for kids and about how essentially we need to give them healthy food. And I would say my big, big thing about healthy eating for kids is it starts with the adults. And you as an adult need to demonstrate healthy eating before you can teach your children healthy eating. And I think that is really, really the key to healthy eating for children. Absolutely. And that, that leads me beautifully on to asking you, what would be your message to people? So if anybody's listening to you and they're saying, oh my gosh, yeah, I completely understand what she's saying. I've, I feel this in this, this place of, um, you know, lack of care or, or my life's too hectic, too busy for me to look after myself. What would be your message to them? Well, I think two messages. First of all, it can be easy and it can be fun. It's not complicated at all. But actually, the most difficult bit is making that decision to change because it's so easy to do what we've always done and what we haven't done feels super scary. And so actually, just that taking that step of I'm going to do something differently, that's the most difficult bit. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, taking that first step. So... Orlina, how can people get in contact with you? How can they, how can they visit your sites? How, how can they find you on social media? And do you have an email? I do. And thank you so much for asking. So my website is drorlina.com. So that's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A.com. 
My email address is allina at drallina.com. I have a weekly podcast where we talk about, well, I say family, sorry, health, what do I say? Healthy living for families made easy. And we talk about all of these different things on that podcast. And I have various websites and social media, which I'm a little bit sporadic with, I have to say. <laughs> but yes, you can find them on Instagram and Facebook. And if people want to reach out, just reach out and I'm happy to chat to people. Lovely. And, and, and actually, I followed you on Instagram and you are Dr. Orlina. So I yeah. think that's the way people find you. Yeah, yeah. It's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for your time, Orlina. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. been listening to precarious parenting by realization works subscribe to realizationworks.com to access more resources including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people